Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor David with We Are Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into this podcast. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this challenges you to take your faith to the next level and that you find freedom in every area that you are seeking. Enjoy the message. We just put our hands together for our pastor, David. He's not here, but we love him. And uh, tonight, again, if, if you don't know me, my name is Daniel. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, I assist him in every single way that I possibly can. Been here for the last year or so. Uh, and usually you'll see me either dabbling in the worship team or up there running media stuff or running into the hallway or fixing a camera or running to and fro to keep our live stream going. Various things, but um, I was blessed and honored, highly honored by Pastor David to ask, uh, be asked to fill in tonight. So um, the title for my sermon here tonight, and just a talk that I have for you guys, is called Fractured Faith. Um, it's something that God dropped in my spirit about a week and a half ago, and I didn't realize what that would be for until Pastor David said, hey, need you, buddy. You got one? And I was like, well, it just so happens the Lord spoke something kind of fresh. So Let's, uh, let's, let's put it together and see what God does through it. So the purpose of tonight's message is just to examine what causes our faith to become broken. So much like a, a broken bone, our faith, if, if walked out the rest of our life, will have moments of brokenness. Does anybody resonate with that? There's not always perfect. Christianity was never promised to be perfect or without persecution. So... Our goal tonight is just to gain an understanding of that issue and help our set ourselves right, wrap ourselves in truth, and heal from the issue of broken faith. So fracture kind of brings to, to mind a, uh, a story of mine. Um, when I was about nine years old, I thought it would be really awesome uh, to tie a rope over a tree and uh, swing across this little valley was probably 10 feet wide or something like that, maybe six feet deep, but the hill to ratio of here was probably more like 15 feet down. It was pretty, pretty steep. Um, so I fastened my rope and I said, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. I'm adventurous. I'm a boy. I'm nine. I'm playing outside. I'm drinking out of a hose pipe and doing what most boys do. So I grab a hold of that rope and I go to swing and, uh, lo and behold, I fall because, uh, you know, wasn't really thinking about how to tie this knot the most secure kind of way. So, you know, you take your shoelaces and you go, rabbit goes under and through and just that first part, that's all I did. I just looped the rope and I pulled and it went up, it grabbed the bark and it seemed sturdy, gave it a test swing, but I, uh, I swung out and uh, the end result looks something like this. So I broke both arms in one fall and the, uh, the bonus break that you see in this picture is my brother David. Um, who I guess got jealous that I was getting him all the attention. So he goes out into the backyard and jumps on the swing and falls and breaks his arm. And I'm literally upstairs with two broken arms holding myself like this going, why you got to copy me? Why you got to steal my shine, man? I was so mad. I was like, you know, nine-year-old, like, I want mommy to love me, hold me. And here he is breaking his arm with me. I guess he just admires my leadership and will follow me to the ends of the earth. Um, that's... It's more over what I like to, to tell myself. In that picture, I'm taller than him, but um, again, he just believes in my leadership so much, he went about five inches above me. So um, 
But yeah, so there, you, there I am with two broken arms, experiencing my first fracture in my life, where something that was set for a purpose and had a function uh, got interrupted. And if you've never known the shame as a nine-year-old saying, hey, mom, I, I can't reach, and I'm done using the bathroom. Please, could you help me? Yeah, I'll let that set in for a second. Not, not, if you've never encountered that kind of shame, let me tell you, there is a Jesus for that. When you have fractures in your life and bring you to moments of shame, there is a God. And uh, sometimes it comes, he comes in the form of your mom. And uh, my sister would have to spoon feed me my dinners, which I actually enjoyed because I'd, you know, like, like spit it at her and she's like, oh, gross, just beautiful family dynamic. So fractures will occur in our lives though. We're going to we're going to inevitably experience if not physically, I hope you never fracture both of your arms and have to have a, you know, family member wipe your butt. That's not pleasant, but we do have moments in our lives where we experience a breaking of some kind. If it's not physically, it'll be spiritually or emotionally. We experience these in uh, different places and have different levels of hurt, but in the area of faith, we must avoid fractures at all costs. So the verse that I have for tonight, we're going to look into uh, Old Testament study. Anybody read through the Old Testament a whole bunch? I know know we're Matthew, Mark, Luke, John people here. We love Jesus. We love the New Testament. But I feel like a lot of what Jesus did stood on a foundation. And there was a law that was in place that he could fulfill to make himself perfect and blameless and spotless. So we're going to examine a little bit of of what it looked like to have a fractured faith before Jesus was here. So if you would just turn to Exodus chapter 32. I've got a a paper Bible here. Just figured if if you're going to speak, you might as well use the real word. But we'll have it on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. Let's read this together. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. We have millennials in the Old Testament because the sons wore earrings. So we had, we had millennials in the Old Testament apparently. That's funny, you can laugh. All the people who took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt, which we know this to not be true, right? We're talking about God's people that he sent Moses to to rescue, that he sent the seven plagues of Egypt to get them out, that he performed signs and wonders and miracles for them. But in this passage, they've kind of lost sight of that. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for this night. Lord, I just thank you for the word. 
Thank you for the infallible truth that will be spoken here tonight. I thank you, God, for the work that you do in our lives, for the rescue that you provide for us. God, thank you for everything that your son Jesus did to set us free. As we study this text, when we talk about this subject, Father, would you just expose the innermost parts of our being and make us aware of any brokenness inside of us so we can be healed, so we can be whole, so we can be used by you. Bless the words of my mouth. Put your anointing on this service. We surrender everything to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's, uh, as most uh, speakers will inform you, I have three points for you. And then we have an observation, and then we have some ways to apply the Word of God to our lives to help us get through brokenness. So the first observation is this. If you're a note taker, our faith can become fractured when we leave his lordship. Our faith becomes fractured when we leave the lordship of Jesus Christ. If you look closely in verse 1, you see, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, why was Moses on the mountain? He had gone up to Mount Sinai and was meeting with the Lord and had the Ten Commandments given to him. And he was up there for a period of 40 days with the Lord. And I guess somewhere along the line, these people got really frustrated with the fact that Moses wasn't there anymore because I guess from the moment they left Egypt to this moment, he had never really left them, he'd never really been away from them. He'd been with them through everything, asking and pleading to God to bless him. So in a lot of ways... Kind of like Moses was this genie in a bottle for them. And after 40 days of, where is this guy? They got impatient. So they go, instead of surrendering themselves to the lordship and the leadership and the authority of Moses, they turn to the next in command, which is Aaron. We see, in, as the verse continues, they say to Aaron, come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Right? That's a great idea. We don't know what happened to this fellow, Moses. Not even claiming him as their leader. At this point, after 40 days, I mean, if this was, you know, a relationship, like, that, I mean, it's, it's done after 40 days. You're, you're over. Who is this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt? We do that in our lives sometimes, too when God takes a little bit too long for us. Sometimes it's a struggle to stay under his lordship and keep him as the true savior and lord of our lives, right? We've been in those situations where our faith is tested for a season and we find ourselves creating this tension of, of should I stay? Should I keep believing? Should I keep waiting? Should I keep praying? Should I keep being a Christ follower about this? And we experience this tension that we see in this chapter. So the, the people traded Moses' leadership, which is an example of God's leadership, God's authority, for Aaron's, which was man-made and man-created. They created a self-made lordship. And when we do this as Christians, when we say, God, your way, I mean, I, get, I guess it's higher than, than my way, but it doesn't feel like maybe it's that much higher than my way. Have you ever had something you're believing for and it just took a minute? You ever been praying for something and it, it took a minute? 
you were asking God for something, and for some reason, it just wasn't fitting your timetable. I have a, a friend of mine who he and his wife were trying to get pregnant for a period of seven to eight years. And all the tests, all the things, all the doctor's visits, and it created tension. But in the life of a believer, we don't get the luxury of removing ourselves from saying that Jesus Christ is, our, is my Lord. I'll trust him. When we do that, we experience our first kind of fracture that we see here in the people of Israel. Leaving the lordship of Jesus is never something that we should consider, yet we often do. And another way that we can look at this text and see another experience of fracture is the second thing that I observed, which is we trade the identity of who we are for idolatry. We fracture our faith when we trade identity for idolatry. That is pretty good, so you should write that down if you're not, if you're not taking notes. Verse two to four says, so Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, what, what's going on through the mind of these people? You saw Pharaoh bow to the name of Jesus and release what we can only expect to be millions of people because of the duration of slavery. Millions of people. Just let them go. Who did that? God, Yahweh. But no, let's melt down some gold Let's form an idol because it feels so much better than, than the other thing, waiting on the one true God to do what I want him to do. So here's my attempt at creating something in my life to take the place of God, which is idolatry. Idolatry is not melting gold down into a golden calf. Idolatry is the moment you take your eyes off Jesus and put it on anything and say, that is my Lord. It's through that that I'll find peace. It's through that that I'll find the fulfillment that I'm looking for. It's through that that I'll find grace. It's through that that I'll find my satisfaction, right? We do this. We, we do it daily sometimes. But it's so important, so important to remember that in our second phase of brokenness, the first being removal of our lordship, the second is, let me build up a new Lord for me to follow. Let me build up something that I can trust in. Let me build up something that I can believe in and hope in. These Israelites forgot their place. They lost their identity. They're God's holy people. They crossed through a sea on dry land. But no, this golden calf... You don't know the kind of chocolate milk this thing can spit out. You don't know the blessings that come from this, this man-made idol of mine. Such is the depravity of man. 
If left to ourselves, we will always destroy ourselves. Rather than giving thanks to God for all that he's done, we go and we build and we create and we, we get ourselves trapped in that area. I find it interesting that for all that God had done, you would think that that gold would have been given at least as an offering, as a, as a sacrificial gift for what God had done, but instead they took what they could have given to the Lord to resource Is hitting home with anybody? We build things in our lives and then we misplace our worship. We misplace what it means to follow Jesus. The third thing that I saw in this text was out of verses five and seven. We, be, we fracture our faith when we surrender to self-indulgence. Now, this is only, this is just the slope. These are only the, the, the three that I can find for you tonight. Sure. We, uh, we fracture our faith when we surrender to self-indulgence. So it's only natural, right, that you would go from removing yourself from a place of lordship with Christ in your, in your walk with him, which is the only way to walk with him. When you ask Jesus into your heart and you say, Lord, come be the Lord and Savior of my life, because of what you did on the cross, I want to serve you. I need you as my advocate to the Father in heaven. I need you. It says that you don't get to claim your life anymore. It's not yours. It belongs to Jesus. And every decision, every minute, every breath should be lived in surrender to Jesus. But if he's not Lord of your life, every moment, every breath, every minute, we lift up these idols in our lives and then we surrender to self-indulgence, losing ourselves in those vices, losing ourselves in those things, which is nothing but a scary trap taking you down and down and down and down, right? So verse five and seven says, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged. They indulged in pagan revelry. <clears throat> a lot of times when we get to this place, of brokenness, when we get to this place of having a, a, a fracture in our faith, we will create opportunities to celebrate the dysfunction and not even realize it. They went through all the trouble of questioning Moses, finding Aaron, which was a glorified yes man, no, nothing but weak need leadership, no backbone in this guy, just wanted to see the people happy. to building an idol, and now they're feasting and celebrating that sin. They're celebrating the dysfunction. 
Yeah, and I hope this is a mirror to you tonight. I hope you're looking at your life and going, wow. God, have I done that? What was my prayer at the beginning? Seek me. Search the depths of me and find any wicked way in me. People created a religious practice that celebrated their sin, and they were proud of it. Revelry means to celebrate loudly. It means to be boisterous. It means that you are having a party. And we didn't get into this, uh, but in verse 8, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down to the mountain, your people from whom you brought. Now, these are not, notice the tone switch here. Notice the tone switch here. If the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain, your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. And this is the part that wrecks a lot of Christians. I have Jesus in my heart. Tickets punched. I'm good. If he's not Lord of your life, I would be questioning that. Because here you see Jesus, God telling Moses, your people that you took out of Egypt. God himself is not even claiming the magnificence of the miracle signs and wonders that he performed to get his people, his holy people, out of their mess. Here's why. Exodus 20, verse 3. Let me turn there real fast. Verse three and four, and a little bit of five. Well, notice this is the Ten Commandments. You must not have any other God but me. You must not take or make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So in this moment, we're seeing Jesus deliver on what he told them 12 chapters previously. You know this. Your people. I don't want to know what it's like to not have Jesus as the Lord of my life. I don't want to know what it's like to not be fully surrendered to him. Because in that brokenness, once that's lived out year after year, month after month, day after day, not only does it create this hopelessness and disconnect between God where you're like, I, I asked you into my heart, you're my Lord and Savior, what is going on? We have to search our heart. They seek me, find any wicked way in me. Your people. God can't claim someone who won't claim him. The Bible says if you, if you, I'm paraphrasing because I just lost the actual phrase, but if you reject me, the people in front of you, 
I'll reject you to my Father in heaven. Our lives matter. The content and context of our walk with Christ matters. This is not a light thing. This is, an, this is a heavy thing. Your life matters. Your walk with Jesus matters. There's people watching that need you to show them Christ. But if you do not submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus, if you have idols in your life that you're raising up, you can be coming to church. You can be here right now and be dealing with the idols in your life. You could be here right now, week after week. I serve. I'm on the praise team. Hallelujah. I do my part. I give my tithe. Mm, Thank you, Lord. I am a model citizen of heaven. Except for my marriage except for my parenting, my kids. It's a little rough. Maybe abusive, verbally, not really physically, but just verbally. Oh, except for the way that I talk, because, you know, that whole self-control thing, not really good with that. No. It all matters. It all has to be surrendered to lordship. It all has to be given to Jesus. We have to tear down the idols in our lives. We need to stop celebrating our sin as well as passively celebrating other people's sin because we're not bold enough and in a good enough spot with God to tell them the truth and deal with it. We have to equip ourselves, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The Bible promises that. And I heard it said, I said it earlier today uh, to someone here, but... Um, I was having a conversation last night in, uh, at dinner, and someone said, man, I heard, I heard somebody telling me, you know, America's done. God is done with America. Judgment's coming. God is going to judge the land. He's going to burn everything with fire. God is done. He's given up. Judgment is coming. And I'm just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a thought. <laughs> I've... I've Hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. Judgment is coming eternally, which is why it's important to have these breaks in our lives fixed so that we can have Jesus in the rightful place of Lord of our life to be our advocate to the Father to say, that one's mine. Yes, your judgment is past, but my blood is on his life. My blood is on her life. That one's mine. I'm kind of processing this and the lady says, but you know what I said to this person saying that and what? And she said, God is not done with America. God is not done with the world. Because God made Jesus a promise for a spotless bride. And the church as a whole is still having to go through the process of becoming a spotless bride. We're imperfect beings striving not for perfection, We're striving for atonement. We need our advocate. We need Jesus. Only he can go to the Father and say, this one's mine. But if we don't have lordship right, we raise up these idols in our lives. If we get comfortable in a pattern of celebrating sin, would he claim you? Will he claim you? 
I'm not here today to make a theological statement that salvation can be lost. I'm just here asking the question, do you want to take that chance? I had somebody who's an atheist tell me, why live your whole life this way if it's just going to end in nothing? I said, okay, cool. Good thought. If it all ends in nothing, and I live this way and I believe, and it goes to nothing, all right. But if it doesn't, where does that put me and where does that put you? The logic stands for itself. We need Jesus. And I'm not making that statement. It will not end in nothing. It'll end in heaven coming to earth, as the Bible says. So here's the conclusion for tonight. Fractured thinking, which is to question God's lordship, will lead us to fractured worship, which is a perversion of resurrecting the right things and magnifying and glorifying the right things in our life, idolatry, which leads to a fractured lifestyle, living our lives to satisfy the God we now serve. I'll say that again. Fractured thinking leads to fractured worship, which will ultimately lead to a fractured lifestyle. Whatever decisions you make in your head, whatever enters your head will eventually make its way to your heart, which will eventually make its way to your hands. My thinking will determine the heart in which I start to worship. And once my thinking has corrupted my heart for worship and turned my heart from God, it's not long before my hands follow suit and destruction is all around me. These patterns in our lives have to be stopped. So how do we fix fractures? I'll tell this as quickly as possible because I'm running out of time. How do we fix the fractures in our life? We've got to get our head right. That's step one. We've got to get our heart right. That's step two. Got to get our hands right. Step three. In the Bible, let me get to it. First Samuel five, verses one through five. This is the story about the Ark of the Covenant being captured by the Philistines and being taken to the temple of Dagon, which was their god. It's their thinking that resurrected their god and put him in a temple. And they celebrated it. And they believed wholeheartedly that this was the God of all gods. One of many that they made, but this is the one for them, right? After the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. They re-resurrect their God because our God knocked it over. This time, excuse me, sorry. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down with the ark before the ark of the Lord. This time, his head and his hands had broken off 
and were laying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. How do you fix the idols in your life? Get yourself into the presence of God. You intentionally form time to get yourself into the presence of God. Where your idols in his presence come crumbling down because they've been revealed to you. It's clear as day. Hey, Daniel, that doesn't belong there. God does this all the time in us. This doesn't belong there. And I love that he detached the head from the heart, from the hands. So that in his presence, he could beautifully and wonderfully examine us and help us see how those components need to function. And if it's wrong, it's gonna be broken. He's gonna break you. He's gonna allow you to go through that process because ultimately he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we might live for him. Church, we have fractures in our lives and we gotta surrender them to the Lord. Whether it's the mind, the, the Lordship part, if it's the heart, the worship part, or if it's the hands, the doing part. I just ask that in this moment, you just take a second to examine yourself, examine you. And better yet, ask God to examine you. Head, heart, hands. We start tonight with 2 Chronicles 7, 14. This is later on down the road after he just told Moses, your people, and my kids right now, it's one of the married moments where my daughter becomes Kathy's daughter, <laughs> not my daughter, when they're not acting right. But look at how he returns to his love for us. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. This is Old Testament God. That sounded very New Testament God, didn't it? We love to say that the judgment part of Jesus was the Old Testament and that the grace and, and mercy and the atonement of our sin is New Testament. This is the Old Testament God saying, no, you got it wrong. Moses, those are your people. And then like a father, we get it, he gets angry, but he comes back to his heart. It says, at the foundation of the world, the lamb was already slain. A sacrifice was prepared for us before it ever happened, before creation took place. God had a plan of redemption because he would never start something that he can't win. He would never begin a work that he can't finish. He'll never write a story that he can't end. Thank God that he loves us that much to work this out in us. 
reveal himself as a loving father so that we might return to lordship. Say, I can trust him. I love him. That we might realign our worship and praise him. So our hands might learn to do the work of ministry and heal everything that they touch. Love that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins or their land. Pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us tonight. Thank you for revealing your heart for us. Thank you for revealing your truth. God, I pray for every single person in this room that would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and stirring on their heart and their mind. God, would you help them to be obedient? We humble ourselves before the presence of God tonight, acknowledging that we're nothing but sinners in need of a Savior. That never changes, God. That never changes. Because of salvation, that's nothing we've done. Salvation's what you did. Our position doesn't change, Jesus. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God here tonight say, God, I'm just a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, we ask that you deal with us in our worship. Let it be pure. Let it be true. That the way we live our lives, out of the belief of our heart, the expression of our heart, God, would it align with your word would you realign us in this moment? Work of our hands, God, would you bless it? Use it for your glory. Over every single person, Lord, I rebuke shame in the name of Jesus. Because when you said your people, when you sounded like an angry dad for the things that we've done. It was your mouth that said, my people, I'll forgive them of their sin and I will restore them. I will heal them. I will make them whole. If they will just come to me, God, in this moment, we lay those idols at your feet. We return to a true lordship saying, take control of my life. I will read your word. I will discover the truth of who you are so that I'm not living my life in question. Is this what God, is this what Jesus would do? We'll live our lives knowing who you are and then be a reflection of that. God, that's the desire of our heart tonight. So rebuke that shame off of every person as we come back to you. Help us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God.
I don't believe there's a person in this room, Jesus, that doesn't want to be close to you, doesn't want to live a holy life. God, we just mess it up sometimes. We're so good at getting in the way of our own selves. God, would you come and do what only you can do? Heal our head, fix our heart. Use our hands for the work of ministry, not just tonight and tomorrow and the next day and the next week. The rest of our lives. Help us to honor you for your love for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen. Can we celebrate Jesus here tonight? Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about We Are Church, connect with We Are Church, or feel led to sow into We Are Church, we want to provide the means to do so. You can give online at weareministries.com, and you can also reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. God bless you, and have a great week.